Hello guys, welcome back to the Talk Crystal Palace podcast. My name is Ollie. It's got a morning after the night before kind of feeling to it this morning. Uh, following the FA Cup yesterday, of course, Palace's horrendous run of form uh, in cup competitions domestically finally ended. Millwall won Palace 2, uh, a really, really good win away at our South London rivals. It was scrappy, it was difficult, um, but we got it over the line. And ultimately in matches like that, that's all that matters. Uh, this podcast is kind of going to just be a reflection of that. I think there are quite a lot of talking points from uh, the back line all the way to the front three. Uh, takeaways we can we can kind of bring into the, the Brighton game on Friday night. Um, and a little look, look ahead to that as well, because I think we learned some things about uh, about the team, about the squad, um, that will be useful while some key players are, are away at AFCON. So um, let's get straight into it, shall we? Um, I, like everyone else, was absolutely delighted with the team when I saw it for the first time. Um, Butler in goal, uh, kind of to be expected, a strong back four. Um, I kind of would have liked to see Ferguson play right back. I don't know if he's at that level yet in terms of his fitness, um, but Ward played there. Uh, midfield three of Hughes, Schlupp and Gallagher. And then Eze and Elise kind of playing just off Mateta. Um, I thought I, there are a few things to kind of make from the game. The first half, we were really poor. Um, we just didn't really look up to it. And, and it wasn't just like an attitude thing. We just didn't look good enough. Like the quality was really poor. First touches were all over the place. Overhit passes. There were a few which we tried, tried to kind of ping over the top for Mateta, which he had no hope of getting. It, it honestly looked like we were playing with a beach ball um, and we just didn't know like the physics of it and how it would work. Uh, Millwall were the better team in the first half. They absolutely deserved to go ahead. Of course, they did go ahead through Benicophobi, Jack Butland with a, with a dreadful mistake. And the decline of Butland is really sad to see. Like Before he joined Palace, when he was at Stoke, before they kind of got relegated, I, I thought Butland was future England number one. I really, really rated him. And I don't think I was alone in that. And even when we signed him, I was pretty happy. I, I thought, you know what, he's relatively young for a goalkeeper. He's experienced and he's got it in him somewhere. But there's just something mentally, I think it is, just just isn't right with him at the moment. You know, the, the goal, he had plenty of chances to kick it out, uh, to even pass it to Hughes, I think was available. Like It wasn't like he got properly hounded. He had time and chose not to pass it. Um, and you know, since he's played for us, I'm yet to be like really impressed with him. Um, but I suppose that's why we got him for like two million quid. I guess he's just not the player he once was. I hope he gets given more chances in the cup. Um, because if we can kind of get him to rediscover that form he had at Stoke, then we have a really good goalkeeper on our hands and we don't have to worry about the post Guaita era. Uh, we'd probably save ourselves, you know, 15, 20 million quid, but at the moment it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, and that's a real shame. Uh, but you know that that's football. We've got a good we've got a good number one in Guaita. It's not a priority. I'm sure that in the summer we'll re, we'll revisit the situation. Um, and to be fair to Butland, he did everything else confidently in the game, but he wasn't really tested, and that was a huge moment in the match. Um, thankfully, it didn't matter at halftime. We came straight out, and you know there's only one man really to talk about in the second half, and that's Michael Elise, who honestly might be the most exciting Palace talent I've ever seen. Uh, you know, when Wilf was that age, he was very raw. He was probably more entertaining. You know, he he would skin fullbacks for fun and and make a lot of things happen. But just the quality that Elise has is insane. Like the his first goal or his, his goal was expertly taken, and that's a common theme. Like if you if you look at uh, the assist versus West Ham, his goal versus West Ham, and his goal yesterday, and even the one that hit the post. 
Every time he cuts in from the left, he puts it in exactly the same area, like hitting the far post, um, you know, maybe an inch or so either side of it. And it makes it impossible for goalkeepers because if you do that from crosses, as we saw with, with Fabianski twice against West Ham, they can't commit to it because anyone gets a touch, it's in. Um, and with the shots, you know, that's the perfect area to be hitting. He's getting whip on it. He's starting it from outside the post, curling it in. You know, the finish was unsavable. His first goal yesterday, it was absolutely unsavable. And then he could have had a second easily, just bad luck this time. It hit the post and didn't go in. And then the cross from Mateta, you know, slightly different kind of style. Stopped dead, barely any backlift, whipped in. Um, and it was a good header from Mateta as well. And, and that's something we've been missing. You know, one thing I noticed a lot when Benteke came on is he drops so deep the whole time. Like, one thing I think Mateta does really well is he's a constant focal point. He's always on the centre-back. He doesn't, he's not particularly bothered about dropping deep and, like, into midfield and making things happen. We always have a presence up there. And if Benteke did the same thing, he would score 25 goals a season. But that's not his style. He likes to get involved with the play, which is useful in some situations. But... You know, I'm not sure Benteke is in that position that Mateta was in yesterday to score that goal. Like in between the two centre-backs, middle of the goal, like looking to score a goal. You know, often you'll see Benteke pull away to the penalty spot and, and you know, look for a pull, uh, a, yeah, pullback. Mateta didn't do that. And you know what? Again, I thought he played all right yesterday. I don't think he was brilliant, but he had one chance. He took it. He, he hassled. He harried. He played a big part in the first goal as well. You know, do you do you play him against Brighton? Is that is that even a controversial thing to say anymore? You know, if you if you said that to me, as I've said before, pre Norwich, is will Mateta play against Brighton? I go, obviously not. But I, I, in a way, I don't really see how you can not play him. It, obviously, it depends how we set up. Um, you know, there is definitely a possibility that Edouard plays up front and Eze plays off the left again. Uh, who knows? We'll see. But I think Mateta has done really well in January and. He's also cemented his his place as a cult hero. You know, I think history will be very, very kind to him. Scoring against Millwall and Brighton um, as kind of your only two major contributions at the club. That is that is the perfect cult hero story. Um, so, you know, even though he's had his down times, he's had to be patient. He'll be well liked by fans long, long after he goes as well. And I'm, I'm happy for him, you know. He, he kind of deserved it, I think. Limited chance to Roy, but he's come in and he's done really, really well under, under Vieira so far. It was good to see Eze and Gallagher back in the team as well. I thought Gallagher in particular looked looked pretty off the pace. Um, it does sound like he was kind of thrown straight in, uh, which I guess is an indication of how seriously we took the game, which is good to see. But uh, I was quite surprised that he played for as long as he did. I think he actually played the 90 minutes. Um, but uh, equally, it's good to get under his belt before Brighton. But he wasn't his best yesterday. Eze playing off the left, he was OK. I thought first half he, he was pretty anonymous. He, he just doesn't really look comfortable out there. And and maybe that'll come with time. Maybe he will play centrally in the long run. I, you know, I would quite like to see him play centrally uh, against Brighton, but I just I just kind of think we won't risk that. It would be quite a risky thing to do. I can very much see Luca coming back in for Brighton, which terrifies me uh, to be honest. Um, but again, he played a big part in the second goal. He looked good on the ball. Like the, the one thing that's good post Achilles injury is his style hasn't changed. He still kind of glides um, and looks really comfortable with the ball at his feet. Uh, could have and maybe should have had a penalty uh, in the first half as well. But there are promising signs there. Obviously, he'll take time to get back uh, back to the pace of the Premier League. Uh, and yesterday was a, a fast-paced game. It was an intense game. And I think he did well. And hopefully, you know, during AFCON, when Wilf's away, he'll get more minutes, he'll get more game time, maybe playing centrally. 
Um, and we can kind of start prepping for life after Gallagher. You know, we don't want to... Obviously, Gallagher has been amazing, don't get me wrong, but we need to ease Eze back into the team and back into that role because he is the long-term future there. Um, and, you know, we have an opportunity to do that now and maybe towards the end of the season we will. Um, so promising signs from that front. You know, neither of them were at their best, but hopefully, you know, they've got good, good, some good minutes under their belt before Brighton and they'll be ready for that game because that obviously is is the big one. Kind of onto the negatives now. I mean, a massive negative from the game was Joel Ward. The, the, the thing that worried me about Ward was that he doesn't didn't just look like off the pace. He looked out of his depth. Like he looked like quality wise, he was one of the worst players on the pitch. And when you're playing a championship team, like an average championship team, that's really concerning. And there's part of me that just thinks that that is the missing piece of the team right now is a right back. You know, as I said in my first podcast, a lot of it depends on Ferguson. I think we're probably reluctant to spend money on a right back when we, we did get a right back a few years ago who it fits the profile that we have in the team. He's young. He was good before his injury and we're just having to ease him back in. But, you know, in the summer, I'd be looking elsewhere. If Ferguson is is kind of not up to speed, you know, Max Aaron's is probably going to go down with Norwich. He would be absolutely perfect. He's the dream, in my opinion. Jaden Bogle as well. I think he plays for Sheffield United now. Both players who would fit us really well. Um, and yeah, I know that Ward often kind of sits back and plays in like a back three when we have the ball. Uh I saw a good video on TIFO uh, Football's YouTube the other day about how we set up and basically said that we, you know, when IU plays, and this explains why Elise plays so wide as well, I think, Ward, Ward, Anderson and Gahey will kind of sit in a three when we're, on, when we're on the ball. Mitchell will push really high and wide on the left and then the right winger, whether that be Elise or IU, will play really high and wide on the right. When that's IU, that works well. But when that's Elise, we've seen yesterday, if he just plays five, ten yards narrower, he makes so much happen. So an overlapping right back who can provide that width would would really bring the best out of Elise. And Joel Ward is not that player. So you know, he's done a good job this season. I'm sure he'll probably he'll probably stay in the team until May. Uh but it's something worth considering. You know, let's not forget that Joel Ward did lose his place to Wambasaka. Um obviously Wambasaka coming back would be great. I know that might rattle a few people, but I'd love to have him back and it sounds like that could maybe be a possibility uh come the summer. Uh but we've we've effectively downgraded again since Wambasaka left. So um I hope we look to address that soon because yesterday he was poor Ward and he was given the runaround by some pretty average players, which is concerning. Um, and, you know, we know against better Premier League opposition, if a winger can isolate Ward, he's in trouble. And and teams are probably starting to really work that out now that he's the weak link. Um, in the rest of the defence, I was actually really happy, particularly with, with Anderson. Um, I was quite concerned before the game. I said this to my Millwall mate that Anderson was maybe a bit soft. I've, I've thought that in games before, he doesn't look up for a fight Um in the in the average games, having said that, I got reminded yesterday about him bodying Mope into the into the Wiles Lane stand um, in the first thirty seconds of Brighton earlier in the season, and he was bang up for it yesterday. Like he he won a lot of his headers, but equally he was up for the fight. You know, there was that I think it was on Scott Malone or someone like that. He just absolutely like bodied them, just entirely unnecessarily, and it pissed Millwall off. And you know, he was quite lucky to not get booked for it. But th- that is the kind of thing you want. Like, that's what I want to see from Palace players in a big game like that. You want to see them up for it, um, putting themselves about. And he did that really well. Um, I thought him and Gay both played well. Granted, Mill had the odd chance here and there. But if we're being honest, Butland wasn't really tested. Um, and I actually don't think it was their fault that that was happening. I think we lost the midfield battle 
partly because of Gallagher just not looking up to it. But I just don't rate Schlupp, mate. In, in centre mid, we know what Jeffrey Schlupp can, is good at. He's good at driving with the ball. He's a goal threat, of course. But and, and actually, in the opposition, like in our own box, he's a good defender. But he just isn't interested in winning the midfield battle. He very rarely shows for the ball in the middle of the pitch. He doesn't. He's not interested in in you know dropping deep and and pinging it around with, with the other defenders and the midfielders. I just think that our midfield looks noticeably weaker when he plays in it, um, which is not good. Like that's not that's not what you want. And and it showed yesterday. I thought it showed against West Ham too. I think while while Kuyate is away, Schlupp is not the answer there. I think he's a good person to bring on if we're chasing a game. Um, maybe you can even swap him and Eze in the long run. Play Schlupp wide left. Give him you know that that kind of that width role there. But I, I just I just think at the moment he's not the he's not the one he's not the one in centre mid. It's kind of weird. Like I don't really know how he ended up even becoming a centre mid. We didn't sign him as that. Roy kind of gradually turned him turned him into one, and he had some good games there. But he hasn't played well there for a while. I don't think. And yes, I know he scored against Norwich, and he had a good shot yesterday. But on the general like flow of the game, he's not a useful person to have in that role. Um, and I think we need more help in that position. We need someone who's willing to be on the ball more. Um, to even work harder. I just don't rate his work rate. I, I'd like to see Eze play there against Brighton, but it's a risk. I understand that. With Schlupp, you know what you're getting. And, and I guess if we're happy with that, then we're happy with that. But for me yesterday, again, he wasn't good enough in that role. And it was a big reason that we struggled so much uh, in, in the first half. Our selection yesterday suggested to me that that's our, what Vieira views as our strongest team, probably with the exception of Guaita. Um, you know, obviously, I think the back five picks itself against Brighton. Um I think that Guaita will come back in if he's if he's available. I heard that he had COVID, which would not be ideal. Um, Butland, you know, I, I am a big fan of him. I want him to succeed, so I'm not going to complain if he wants to play, but obviously it's a bit nervy. Um, I hope we change the field. I think Hughes and Gallagher obviously have to play. Um, sorry, my voice is going a bit today, hence the voice cracks. Um, but who you play alongside them, I don't know. Like, I don't think Luca should be in that role. I think it's too soon for Gyro as well. He's 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 going to be off the pace and Brighton play with such intensity that it's a risk bringing him in. Um, and Eze again, you know, is probably the biggest potential upside. But and he played as an eight, I think, last year against Brighton. But it's it's just a risk. Like you don't know how he's going to cope in that situation. You know, is he going to have a similar situation to Schlupp? I don't know. But and I and I do a pre-match Brighton like preview, but. I would like to see that change. And, and the striker question is so interesting. You know, I, I I think Edouard has to come in. I think Edouard undoubtedly is in our strongest team. Um, so he'll probably come in either off the left or up front. Um, and that will obviously dictate where Eze plays, if Eze plays, um, if he comes off the left. And if he's up front, then there'll be no Mateta or Benteke. But I don't think that will happen. You know, I think that, I think Benteke is a really trusted member of the team who, you would be happy with playing against Brighton. And Mateta's, dare I say, in form? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really interested to see. And I'm, I'm excited. You know, I think whoever plays up front, I'll be happy with against Brighton. Mateta did the business there last year. You know, if he was to start there and score there again, you know, he is, he's, he's basically a god amongst men in that Palace squad in terms of his major contributions. Um, but but time will tell. I think we've got a lot to take away from. And, and actually, we've got some headaches going into the future now because... Across the Millwall game, across the West Ham game, 
Elise had cemented himself as an essential part of that team. And, and Vieira said it before the game that Elise is going to get chances um, in the team now that Ayu's away. Um, and when Ayu comes back, obviously he was one of our best players before he went to AFCON. What do we do? You know, Elise has been a revelation. He's, it looks like now he's ready. Like I, I think that no one doubted his ability before, uh, before Millwall, before West Ham, but it was whether he's willing and ready to start games. But what he's shown in those two games... You know, West Ham was off the bench. Millwall was kind of from the start of the second half, grabbing grabbing us by the scruff of the neck and dragging us uh, in, in the West Ham sense almost to victory. And Millwall yesterday was it was basically entirely up down to him that we won. That's what you want. He's twenty years old. You know, there was the amazing pictures of him shushing the Millwall fans, kicking the bottle away. Like he's a mentality monster. He is. He's a winner and he's showing now that I think that he's ready to make the step up into kind of full-time Premier League football. And maybe he could play centrally as well, I don't know. But that's that was the big takeaway from yesterday. You know, I am so excited about Michael Elise and I think everyone in the football world is too. And yesterday he made a lot of people who maybe thought he was struggling at Palace. We all knew he wasn't, but I think people outside the club did. He made them sit up and take notice uh, and kind of announced himself on, on the big stage. I know it was the FA Cup. I know we were playing Millwall. Um, but in a Premier League quality team, you know, surrounded by some international players, some players who have played at the top level for a long time, some of the most exciting talents in English football, he was the standout man. Um, and if he can bring that into Brighton and make something happen there, then I think we'll be in with a good chance of, of beating them as well. Um, but so that's it from me. Thank you very much for listening. If you don't already, please follow me on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts too. Follow me on Twitter as well, at TalkCPFC. Um, there'll be some podcasts next week, obviously, surrounding Brighton, the biggest game of the calendar year, the Amex. I can't wait to go. I uh, hope those who went to the Millwall game yesterday had a good time. It looked like an amazing atmosphere and that you all stayed safe. I uh, saw some very funny videos of some 13-year-old Millwall fans giving it that, um, which is obviously you know, fitting. And, you know, I'm not even going to talk about the Millwall fans. And even the co-commentary, you know, the Dean Ashton was begging and gagging for Millwall to win. Um, and the Millwall fans, they were being Millwall fans and we rose above it. We we actually, I, I loved the way we interacted with them. We 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 played like we hated them. And that's what you want against Millwall. Uh, grim, grim fan base with some horrible chants and some treatment of players. But... They're out the cup. We did the job. It would be 10 times worse if we lost them. But at the end of the day, they, they'll go home with their tail between their legs knowing they've made a fool of themselves on national TV. Um, and we've got the bragging rights. So, you know, we, we, we're definitely the winners on and off the pitch from yesterday's game. Um, anyway, guys, hope you have a, a good rest of the weekend. Uh, good start to next week as well. And I'll catch you all soon for the Brighton build-up. Come on, Palace!